aboard the struggle bus. You've got problems just like us. Climb aboard the struggle bus. Let Kate and Sally help you. Welcome to the struggle bus. I'm Kate. I'm Sally. And we are here to fix your lives. That said... We are two people whose only qualifications to give you advice are that we have lots of feelings and lots of opinions. Neither of which are a substitute for professional guidance. Hello, everyone. Hey, gang. How you guys doing? What's everyone up to? Yeah. What was it? Labor Day? Yeah. How's your long weekend? So good. Actually, I guess now your long weekend has ended. Yeah. But we're currently in our long weekend. It's hump day. It, right. <laughs> it's hey Yeah. Is that why do they call it hump day? Oh, because it's the middle. It's a right over the hump. Oh, yeah. God. Listen, if you want to complain about that non-joke, you can mm-hmm. tweet at us at strugglebuspod. Email us at strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com. Instagram.com slash strugglebuspod. Hashtag strugglepod. Buds420 to find a struggle buddy on Twitter, the website strugglebuspodcast.com, or tweet at Sally T or me at SPK Howler. And if you want to join our super secret Facebook group, send us an email at strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com with your email that you use for Facebook, mm-hmm. and we will add you. Put it in the subject line that you want to be added to the group and send a separate email if you have a question. Your bonus for joining is that you get to see this awesome thread that someone started asking for feel-good movies. Yes. Which was such a good idea. That is a great one. And now there's just like a million suggestions of amazing feel-good movies to watch. Pretty jazz. So get involved. Yeah. I was pretty proud of mine. Cedar Rapids. I love that movie. I don't know that movie. Mm. Tell me. It is Ed Helms. Okay. And Sigourney Weaver. Okay. Oh, I – Thank I'm you. In. And he is an insurance salesman. Okay. I think life insurance salesman. And he's he goes to this conference. And um, it's so hard to say it's like he he comes of age, even though he's an adult man. Mm-hmm. But he goes to this like conference in Cedar Rapids. He'd never been on a plane before. He never left uh, the city. And he sort of just meets these other real estate agents. Mm-hmm. And the whole convention is just, you know, totally out there. And he meets these people that kind of change his life. And it's really interesting. I'm going to touching. Maybe watch that tonight. You should. That sounds great. It's really good. Awesome. It's really, really good. Yeah. What about you? Um, How was your labor day? My labor. So I had like a whirlwind week because last week was just like really busy. And then my girlfriend just like the second left to get in a cab to go to the airport to go away for 10 days. Mm. The nerve. Yeah. But uh, between the whirlwind week and her leaving, also my oldest, closest, best friend in the entire world who I've known since first grade was in town with his wife for like their own little whirlwind stay in New York. So it was like this awesome weekend of like Mm -hmm. my girlfriend getting ready, you know, for her trip and like seeing Carl and Molly and it was amazing and fun. And then like – and then, it, like, it was exciting, and then, like, Carl and Molly left, and then Andre left, and I was, like, in my apartment, and I was Aww. like, but where'd everyone go? You know, it's so nice the first couple days, because Alex went away for a week this summer, and I was like, well, freedom, I'm a right. bachelorette, I can walk around, whatever, even though I couldn't, I could still walk around right. naked anyway. Um, and then, like, day three, I got really sad and really paranoid, and I have this, it's one of my anxieties, is of being alone mm-hmm. in the house and having something happen mm-hmm. or someone break in or whatever, and I just remember sleeping, like, with the lights on, staring at the ceiling, every totally. noise, so. Yeah, I'm big on, like, turning on all the lights and, like, all the screens with all the the noise. I do really like being alone in the apartment. You know, yeah. especially like in the morning, it's really nice. The morning's the best. Right? Yeah. And I love the solitude and everything. But then it's just like a bummer because she's not there. And it's yeah. better when she's there, you know? Come on. Yeah. Um. But anyway, but that's why – but this is perfect because she's like probably 
sitting at her gate right now and we're recording so it's like perfect i said goodbye to her and now i'm like here hanging out with you yeah. so it's great and you're sleeping over all week right obviously we're doing it okay. yeah my sleeping bag is in my backpack <laughs> excellent so um gosh i guess let's talk about uh what else we did this week okay opening jibber jabber is yeah, that our jibber jabber um oh sally you were on a podcast yeah i was it's i don't know when it's coming out I did not do a good job of finding out anything about like when it's going to come out and like if she can link to anything I, I think she will she's great it's called how we work now and it's hosted by this awesome productivity expert named Julia Roy who I interviewed for an article and then she was like I'm interviewing writers can I interview you and I was like am I a writer and I was like I guess people <laughs> think I'm a writer um so she interviewed me and uh she asked me all about like my process and like how I write and stuff like that and it was awesome and really fun, and she's great. Um, I did, like, every single time I started to answer one of her questions, she had, like, really concrete question, questions about, like, my process. Like, two sentences in, I was, like, talking about self-care and mental health somehow. <laughs> and she was like, what apps do you use? And I was like, that's the thing about emotional well-being. <laughs> um, so I did talk about the struggle bus quite a bit nice. for, like, a while. And uh, it was fun. It made me feel pretty fucking important yeah. for someone to be like, can you talk on my podcast? It's so interesting. Yeah, when you're a guest yeah. and you're like, oh, am I taking up too much space? Because I could talk all totally. day. Yeah. yeah. I also totally forgot how to like like create coherent sentences out of my thoughts. But uh, I'm sure she'll edit it and make me sound great. Yeah. yeah. So speaking was, of editing. Yeah. Oh, go on. Uh, not that I needed to make anyone sound great. I finally released the episode of Tell the Bartender with Todd and Julie, who mm -hmm. are struggle buddies. And um, it was it was rough because I really wanted to release it two weeks ago when I interviewed them. But partially, A, I was like, totally bogged down by work. I said yes to too many things. I've since, you know, I'm now finally up to speed. Mm -hmm. But B, it was a really sensitive topic. Mm -hmm. It's dealing with her telling a story about sexual assault and Todd's talking about his therapy dog. And I really enjoy, as you know, producing things and making a story out of it and making it sound good and cohesive. And it meant, and I love doing this, but it meant sitting down and editing hours material mm -hmm. down to like a mm -hmm. really nice finite whatever and I love doing that but I didn't have time so I actually just carved time out of my busy schedule and I was like I am doing this for the next three hours oh, that's awesome. and it was such good self-care and I'm really really proud of how it turned out and um do listen if yeah you can. the episode is so good and I'm gonna say to you now what I said before we mm. were recording which is that I've actually only listened to Julie's story so far because I had to take a break because it's an intense story yeah Todd's is boring I'm joking it's fantastic <laughs> Todd I will get to your story I'm pretty <laughs> excited about it but uh it, it's such a good like the way that you edited it and I, I think probably also the way that you like talked to Julie and interviewed her like when you're listening it sounds like a reported piece or like a piece of storytelling in a really good way and a really accessible way where you feel like you're listening in on this great conversation um, and you – I feel like the way that you – it's such heavy subject matter and the way that you – I felt I felt like sometimes when you listen to something like really intense or you watch something really intense, you're like, does the person who's like creating this or producing this care about my experience and like how I'm taking it in and like mm. how I'm processing it? And when I was listening to Tell the Bartender, I was like, Catherine really cares and about how this is like coming across and like how we're hearing it and absorbing it. And that was awesome. Oh, thanks. So in conclusion, everyone should listen right yeah, now. Yeah, no, it really meant a lot to me because, you know, rightfully, Julie was a little bit nervous. I was nervous. Like, I didn't know these people. And um, you know, before the show, I just said, listen, I'm going to edit it. We can take out things. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter. 
I said, uh, she's like worried about some things. I said, honestly, we're not going to change anyone's mind who is an asshole. Right. What we're going to do with this is let other people who've had similar experiences not feel alone. Mm -hmm. That's our goal today. So instead of having to like prove your existence and like, you know, for all the people who don't believe survivors, that wasn't the goal. It was more just if you're out there, we hear you and here's here's some more voices. That energy totally, totally came across. Yeah, thank you. Definitely. Really good. But yeah, it takes a while to (laughs) produce something like that because you do need to sit with it and all that stuff. But thank you. I really appreciate it. I'm sorry it was so late, you guys. No, I mean, you know, it's like – is that something that good? Genius takes time. Right, exactly. Yeah. I something can't take that good compliments. isn't like instantaneous. <laughs> I, know. I know, but genius does take time. I, also. I get weird when I'm complimented, but thank you. Well, also, I'm like sitting here. We're like talking into mics and I'm like staring at you, <laughs> like complimenting you heartily. So it's really intense. Um, I'm blushing. <laughs> <laughs> we both are. Uh-huh. So um, tell me about a thing you did. Well, a thing I did for self-care. So as I was saying, I was feeling very overwhelmed and I found that with clients, some of them are new and I know how hard it is and it's, you know, you're about to launch a podcast, how nervous you are, and I'm, I'm trying to be on top of everything. And I was running behind on one thing. So, you know, it's it's totally, I think, a good rule of thumb to say, communicate before the problem happens. Mm. Be one step ahead. Say, hey, just so you know, this is when this is coming. Sorry it took so long, but heads up. And I did that with one client. She wrote back, she's like, actually, you know what? I ended up pushing back the launch because there's, you know, some situation, whatever. And I was like, okay. And that was good. I was like, right. You can just tell someone, you know, let's say I wasn't ready with a file immediately. Just saying it kind of helps. She's like, oh, thanks for the heads up. So I'm like, right. You can just do that. No, that's awesome. In general. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. That's what I learned. What did you do for self-care? I, um, I, so like at the beginning of last week, it just, the week was, bananas like everything a lot of uh, schedule wise like everything was changing and like I there were like meetings at work later than they usually are and I I rescheduled on you you rescheduled but like also just like everything was especially work wise like my week was just like packed but also things kept like moving around and I felt like everything was like a moving target uh, in terms of like knowing when I needed to be places and all this stuff and I get so my my routine and my schedule like anchors me to like reality mm-hmm. and to like any sense of like calmness. And so when shit gets really hectic, I mean, if a couple things change, I'm like fine. But if when everything it is like up in the air, I, I start to get really uh, – fr- I get really like frustrated mm-hmm. and, and like angry and indignant. Um, and I, I realized it was happening like early in the week like – and I was just like – this is just going to happen. Like, I'm just going to let this wash over me. I'm just going to, like, power through it. I'm going to be really annoyed sometimes. I'm going to be, like, at work later than I really want to be, which, by the way, isn't even really that late. Or <laughs> or I'm going to have to, like, get up earlier than I normally do or whatever. But, like, whatever. Then I'll, like, recover. Friday night will come and I'll just, like, recover and it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And so the other thing that I'll say is, like, I – I didn't even like really have the wherewithal to do something for self-care. I was like, what should I do? And I was like, you know what? I, I'm like not going to do anything. Like I don't have it together to do something. I'm just going to like get through the week. And that ended up like being a thing. So yeah, it was oh, good. good. Yeah. So here I am. Excellent. Yeah. We're all, we're feeling it. We all had rough weeks, I think. Yeah. yeah everyone had a different thing going on, but we're here. We did it. We did it. We all did it. Let's get to your problem. Yeah. Oh, and um, by the way, just like really quick, let me say, please write us emails, uh, because we would like to read them and we're getting through our backlog. We are. So um, like (laughs) – 
say something and if you're in the struggle buddies group like sure post there and see what people say but also write to us please um if you're not in the struggle buddies group you damn know, it write to us there's some topics in the struggle buddies group that i actually have wanted to bring on Same. the show as well so we can maybe do that even if you know it's not a letter written to us and you say oh by the way this topic came up let's explore yeah yeah that's a good idea cool cool all right uh, do you want me to read this one yeah or, go yeah. for it all right so this is from marshmallow who has written in before hi kate and sally I am in my final semester of undergrad, and over the last three years of my life, a lot has happened. Listing all of the changes would take far too long, but just to give you guys an idea, one, I moved out of state. Two, I learned a lot more about politics, social justice, and my own progressive moral leanings. Three, I came to terms with a lot of mental health issues and past trauma I've been repressing. Four, I came to terms with the fact that I am queer and non-binary. And five, last but certainly not least, I made friends with a completely new group of people, including my now partner, with whom I have a very loving and healthy relationship. This was a huge deal for me, considering that part of the trauma I had to come to terms with was the realization that my first and only previous long-term relationship was abusive. Some of these things were really hard realizations and transitions for me to make, but in the end, I'm so glad that I did. I feel very solid in my identity and who I am as a person, and I'm actively working on learning to love and accept who I am. However, this has left me in a bit of an odd place with regards to a couple aspects of my life. For simplicity, I'm going to split it up into career and family slash old friends. One, career. I am part of a really intense really time-consuming career path. I want to stay anonymous so I won't get too specific, but basically I work in a pretty specialized healthcare profession. I love my field very much, and I plan to stick with it after graduation, but I also feel a little at odds sometimes with the overall environment. While my university's program is very progressive and very in line with my own values, like requiring us to attend guest lectures on gender identity and trans issues, having openly gay professors, calling out sexism, etc., this has not been the case in the majority of settings I've worked in. For example, I have a lot of doubts about how out about my gender identity I can be in my future employment settings. Unfortunately, I really do think that most settings I could work in would not be super eager to hire an openly non-binary trans person. And since I work with a very high number of patients in a day, it would be kind of unreasonable to expect every single one of them to always use a correct name and pronouns for me. This isn't necessarily the end of the world for me personally, since even if I am assumed to be a cis woman, I am still in a career where dressing, presenting androgynously wouldn't be too highly frowned upon, and any other dysphoria I might experience can pretty much be handled with self-care. However, it does lead to some small, awkward circumstances, like having to stay silent when certain topics of conversation come up, or having to remind friends who typically use they pronouns for me that my work colleagues are going to use she, and they shouldn't correct them. This also means I generally have to keep my social media presence very, very specifically curated. Sometimes I find myself wanting to post online about certain political or even personal issues, but not being able to because colleagues or future employers might see that and find it unprofessional. Two, family. As you can imagine, in a lot of ways, I'm completely different from the person I was, or rather the person I thought I was, prior to entering college. 
while my parents and extended family are great people, they also still often seem to expect me to be the same person that I was before, a traditionally feminine, politically moderate, cishet woman who agrees with them on most things and relies on their input heavily when making decisions. Now, I often feel like I'm in a weird mixed no man's land with them. I still love them and enjoy their company, and they have been really supportive of me through some hard times. But I've also begun to see patterns in them that can sometimes be toxic, such as body shaming, codependency, and putting their anxiety and stress onto others. Also, I'm in a relationship that passes just enough for heteronormative that they don't outright make a fuss about it for now, despite my partner being pretty openly non-binary queer too. But I know that might change when they see that my partner and I follow zero gender roles and that we refer to each other in all aspects of our relationship neutrally. Again, none of this is really all that inherently bothersome to me. They are free to think what they want about my choices, but it does leave me confused about what kind of relationship I would like to have with them in the future and what boundaries I do and don't need to set with them. I'm still used to the days where I could freely share everything with my family and not have to worry about judgment or whether they would understand where I'm coming from. So... Boiling all that down, I guess my questions are these. What do you guys think is the best way to reconcile myself and my identity with these various factors? Is it really possible to live an adult life in which you keep your personal life separate from your professional or family lives? While we're at it, do you have any tips for making more friends outside of work and family spaces? I honestly have no idea how post-college adults meet people and make friends. <laughs> I know these are probably hard questions to answer, but any experience or input you have would be super helpful. Again, thank you so much for what you do, Marshmallow. Well, Marshmallow, luckily Sally has all the answers. Sally, <laughs> here we go. Number one. Okay, Marshmallow. Well, um, okay. I have a few things to say. The first thing is, it sounds like your field is relatively open considering, you know, they send you to these lectures and it, it sounds like it wouldn't be like a weird out of left field thing for you to talk about stuff like gender identity and inclusion at work. And um, I mean, I don't think you should like walk up to someone at the break room and be like, so gender identity, am I right? But uh, <laughs> but like, but like, I do think that like, because those topics are part of the landscape at work, you could find yourself in a conversation with like a coworker who you think is like cool and potentially an ally about a lecture you guys were at or something like that and sort of feel them out and see if they will be like, a friend to you and an ally to who you can like potentially discuss this stuff with and maybe come out to. Um, just because I feel like at work, there are a lot of – I'm thinking about my work situation and I, I feel like there are situations that I don't know really how to navigate. Mm. But I can talk to the – the people I trust in my workplace to help me navigate things because they understand the workplace and they understand the people that work there and the dynamics. And, I, you know, this is different than the situations I'm talking about. But I just think like having an ally is a great start. And so maybe you can just sort of start to feel that out. Um, I think the other overarching thing I would say is that it sounds like this is all sort of new, like the realizations that you've had about yourself as well as how it's changed your work environment. And I think that a lot of this stuff gets worked out um, or figured out by sort of trying different things and seeing how they go over time. Like I, I don't – I think I think the thing is actually time. Um you know, this isn't the kind of stuff that necessarily all falls into place by like a hard deadline. I think it's like the kind of thing that you learn to navigate um, and it changes 
in different work situations and with different people and different aspects of your life. But um, know that it will fall into place. Even if you don't right now know exactly how to do it, you will discover how to do it over time. Yeah. Catherine? And also you're not in the job yet. You're still in school and you say that you are familiar with the other work um, situations outside of graduation. So you don't even know where you're going to be working yet. And it is a lot to think about. But I also think that maybe, you know, I've said this before, you know, don't don't be scared of the wolf in the woods. Be scared of the wolf at your door because there's mm-hmm. so many imaginary scenarios that can happen. And maybe until it starts to happen Worrying about it too much might not be conducive to eventually just finding a job. And mm-hmm. yes, absolutely, I think you should be thinking about these things, and I understand why you are. I don't mean to diminish your feelings because a lot's changed. Um, but you don't know yet. And um, I think if you were to find a really great work situation that makes you feel comfortable, then that's that would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything Sally said, obviously, because Sally is, is brilliant and perfect. Amen. Yeah. And, you know, I think you might be surprised by how open some people can be. And again, you will not be surprised by how horrible some people mm-hmm. can be. But I think maybe also starting to look into jobs after graduation that you think might be a nice environment to work in. I think that will help you sort of mm-hmm. not worry too much about the things you don't know yet will come mm-hmm. to the forefront. Family, should we talk about that? Um, I just want to say one more thing yeah. about the career thing. The other thing is that there are a lot of different – there are a lot of uh, industries and fields where there's an LGBTQ professional association, like the queer whatever's of the state you're in. Yeah, that's it. That's the one. Sounds like a, actually yeah. a good like baseball team or sure. queer whatever's. <laughs> um, you know, like like an, like an LGBTQ um, – like professional association of the people in your field, maybe um, that – and by the way, like LGBTQ associations aren't always amazing on like gender and gender identity and um, issues, you know, and and like non-binary identity. Um, So I don't necessarily think that that's like a cure-all, but it could be a way of just like meeting people um, who might be like-minded and and also – you know, you could you might be able to meet other people who are trans identified or non-binary identified and you could do some like informational interviewing of like, hey, like what's your experience in the workplace? Like help me figure this out because, you know, it's not – you're not alone in this even though uh, it, it may feel that way. So I would maybe see if you can like reach out to other people who might be in your field. That's a great point. Finding a mentor mm-hmm. who – you know, might be able to help guide you through the the future um, you know, things you might come up with is really helpful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And totally. of course, ob- obviously, if you can find sort of like a, a group, maybe like um, a self help self help group is that what they're sure. called or whatever, like you a know. support group. Support group. Yeah, That's yeah. what I meant. Sorry. Um, you know, so you can sort of bounce these ideas or scenarios off other people who are familiar with the situation, so that you can be prepared mm-hmm. for what what's going to come. Family. This mm-hmm. is tough because. I have – I mean, it sounds to me like they're very supportive and loving and you're maybe concerned about how they're going to take the news. I will say most of the time it's amazing how much families really do know and it's not that much of a shock. So if you feel comfortable and you want to, great. If you don't, don't, <laughs> you know. Um, they seem supportive, but if you are hesitant for any reason, you do not have to tell them anything you don't want to. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and also I think that like until you know how they're going to – whether or not they're going to support and affirm you or if they're going to be like difficult and rejecting or some combination, it's hard to give you advice on like how to move forward with them and like how to like mold your relationship Start with, with them. the dad. What? No. <laughs> <laughs> because like it, it sounds like you don't totally – if you do have an expectation about the way they're going to react, I don't think you told us. Mm. You, you told us that there's some toxic stuff but that overall they've been really supportive. So, you know, I think that 
you know, I've never come out as non-binary or trans-identified, so I can't speak to that specifically, but I can speak to coming out as queer. And, you know, the way it worked for me is like um, – like basically like small information leaks. <laughs> like it's not I, – I wasn't like here's everything all at once. Like sit down and I'm going to tell you all about like, you know, how I identify and the people I'm dating and my romantic life. And then I'm also going to educate you on like the right words to use and mm-hmm. what I want – how I want you to refer to my partner and I'm – and like the political context and like the struggle for – and like gay liberation. Right. Like it wasn't like all that at once. It was just like, you know, you know, maybe it's like partially about like – you know, understanding how you identify, or maybe it's about respecting, you know, your your pronouns, or if you, if your appearance has changed, uh, respecting that. Like, I think you can sort of start them out like easy, um, because I mean, I feel like when I'm trying to like m- make myself known and understood to someone where there's already an existing really big gap of understanding, Mm -hmm. like someone from a different generation or my parents or someone who's like just from a really different like context, I don't necessarily feel like I need them to understand like every aspect and element and sliver of my personality Mm -hmm. right away in order for them to really like know me and see me. I feel like, you know, they need to sort of like get the gist of who I am and what I'm about. And then like over time, you know, they can get to really know me. And so, um, Maybe that's, like, one strategy is to just, like, start slow. Well, I think they should carve out six hours and get a dry erase board and just just do it now. That's another option. Get some Post-its. <laughs> no, get some I dry mean, erase markers. Sally brings up a great point. That's a lot of emotional labor on your part mm-hmm. for something that will take a while for people to process anyway. Like, yeah. you know, maybe start off slow and sort of ease into it. I remember a friend of mine who um, is gay – Years ago, he was engaged to a woman, and he came up to me and said, listen, just in case you haven't heard, I called the engagement off. I might be gay. I might be bi. I don't know yet. And that's all I know. And I was like, okay. And I just knew not to ask any questions because he just said, this is all I know right now, and I just want you to know this if you hear anything. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. You know, and I thought that was because he didn't want to talk more about it, but he just wanted to, like, quell rumors Mm -hmm. or something. But I'll never forget that. It was very well handled I don't know if he knew how I don't know he was very assertive like this is it and I just don't know Mm -hmm. and I was like all right yeah I think that's like a good strategy like this is the need to know information and like if once you prove you can handle it we'll go further because that's the other thing too is like I think once you start explaining once you share the information that you feel like is necessary for them to know Mm. depending on how they react uh you can decide what you let them in on beyond that um yeah, yeah, there's some family members I tell different things to because I know some people have no boundaries and are going to be like, tell me everything. And yeah. I definitely have people I tell certain things to. That, yeah. You know. Yeah. And I definitely think like your question um, – okay, so you asked, is it really possible to live an adult life in which you keep your personal life separate from your professional or family lives? I think that's a really good question. And honestly, I think like a lot of people who are sort of paying attention to their feelings and their relationships are trying to figure those boundaries out all the time. Um and so I do think it's like it's a process. Like I, I think it's a thing that you just figure out as you go. Um, I don't I don't know if it's like I don't know if it's about keeping everything separate, like and compartmentalized. I think it's about like understanding what boundaries need to be in place for like you to be okay 
but for you to also feel like you're connecting with the people you want to connect to, which I know sounds like incredibly vague and like not actionable, but it's like kind of all I got. Yeah. 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 You you can decide what's right for you. Yeah. You, you're you the only person who knows what's good for you and you can do whatever you want. There is no absolute. So mm-hmm. just, uh, yeah. And friends. How do you find friends oh, after yeah. college? I mean, I moved back home where I had my high school friends and yeah. I was like, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> and I also worked in industries that were very um, – there were, don't sorry. mind me <laughs> I just rammed my head into a pipe that's yeah. always been here yeah I was about to say I was like you've seen that before <laughs> yep. no it's okay leaning um, on it <laughs> you're leaning in to the pipe no I uh I I will say I've always worked in social jobs and New York City's very you know populated mm-hmm. so um but a good thing and, and somebody actually came up to me who listens to the show and they said I like your advice about taking a class Take like a dance class, mm-hmm. take an improv class, because it's true, you will meet people totally. who aren't in your field of work, which is going to be nice that you have another interest in. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, something like that. So Yeah, totally. A class, like join like a queer, like a re- like reading, what are the, a book club, a queer book club. What are those called? Queer reading club. <laughs> join a queer reading club. Uh, just Google that. You'll get so many hits. <laughs> so many great There's probably going to be one reviews. out there who's like, thankfully. <laughs> yeah. Finally, someone's coming to our site, <laughs> queerreadingclub.com. Um, but yeah, so I would say, yeah, like, because you're in, I think like it would be awesome if you could connect with other people who um, are either non-binary, non-binary identified or trans-identified or like our allies. So like that's a thing. Um, and then also, or a cooking class, like classes are great. Groups are great. Um, yeah. Team trivia. Do definitely do team trivia. Yeah, that's a great big idea. Time. Um, do you have any friends? Also, the other thing that's cool is if you have friends like on t- that you know from Twitter, and if they're local, you can meet them IRL, and they actually are like awesome people. Yeah. So I don't know. Make that make that a thing. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Let us know. Uh, good luck, Marshmallow. Yay! Yay! All right. All right. So my turn, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is uh, from Regina Falange. And they wrote in before. Yeah, they wrote in before, yeah. Uh, Yeah, they wrote in on episode 58. Okay. Hey, Kate and Sally. Regina Falange here. You answered my letter about struggling with a friend with a compulsive lying problem on episode 58. Firstly, I wanted to tell you that I took your advice and stepped back from my friend to let her reach out to me. It took over a month for her to contact me, but when she did, she invited me over to her new apartment for dinner and introduced me to her roommates, and it was lovely. She seemed in a much better emotional space, and we connected really well. I'm trying to work on being less invested in what I think her emotional slash mental health journey should be and to maintain better boundaries. Okay, Regina, work. Mm -hmm. My question today is a feminism question. Yes. We're both uh, Mm – Catherine's pumping her fist in the air. So excited. I am a straight, cis, white, young woman working in a corporate job, and I would like to think of myself as fairly well-versed in feminism. I work hard to bust down glass ceilings in my professional life and to confront my internalized sexism in my personal life. I love discussing feminism, and I try to surround myself with people who help me in this fight and expand my thinking. However, I am struggling to reconcile my hardcore feminist beliefs with my carnal interest in porn. When I was younger and first exploring my sexuality, I found erotic stories online that I would print out and read over and over. Then, as the age of the smartphone descended, I found websites that introduced me to all sorts of kinks and types of porn that blew my mind. Any expression of my sexuality horrified my parents, and I was punished and shamed for it. They tried very hard to have some sex talks with me and explain how sex is great but very different from porn and to educate me about the dangers of the internet. But the message I always took away from those talks was porn is bad, what you are feeling is not normal, and don't make us bring this up again. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. We're not laughing at you. No, no, with. with. We're with you. (laughs) 
Porn has always been this incredible secret world for me where I can experiment with my own body and mind, and I feel like I have gained a lot of personal power from it. Despite the positive things I have experienced, I am also aware of how destructive and sexist the industry is and how it promotes the idea that women are just bodies to be consumed. It can promote unrealistic body images and can isolate us and separate us from intimacy and real bodies. It can even be physically dangerous for women and all those problems barely scratch the surface. I am now in a long-term relationship with a wonderful man and our sex life is pretty amazing. I still on occasion like to read some erotica, listen to some guided masturbation, or just watch some good old-fashioned spanking scenes and give myself a nice earth-shattering orgasm. I still have not told a soul about this, including my partner, that I do this. This is the first time I am even voicing this to anyone. I feel ashamed that I partake in this widely sexist world while I spout feminist theory daily. What do you both think of this issue? Can you be a feminist who occasionally watches porn? Is erotica a morally better option since it's all fantasy and no women have to physically film a scene even if the content can promote the same objectifying attitudes? Help me, Kate and Sally. You're my only hope. Sincerely, Regina. Best sign-off ever. Ever. Regina. Um, feminists through history have have split on this issue, actually. There are definitely feminists who have thought that porn is harmful to women and in fact, the sex positive movement of the 80s started because some women were like, no, it's it's normal, all that stuff. So you can argue one way or the other. I, I personally think that anything that is turning you on, you are normal. There's nothing wrong with you. But if it's something that is harming someone else or whatever, you might want to talk it through with, with a shrink. That said... I felt like I wrote this letter. Like, I completely – but the only difference between us is my mother was like, yeah, enjoy it. You know, like, <laughs> I would read erotica. I read Forever by Judy Bloom. That was my first thing. And then I would, like, look for material in the library, sneak into the adult section, and read romance novels. And then the smartphone came out, and then the porn and the u-porn. And I have oftentimes been like, is it weird that this is what turns me on? And I have to say there's so much shame in sex, especially for women – uh, and your parents, oh my goodness, they they definitely are, are in your head. It's normal, it's normal, it's normal. Don't feel guilty. It's a very complicated topic, though, because there there is porn that is just really, you know, just not, I don't know, violent or something like that. And yet rape fantasies are common. It is a thing. It's totally normal. If you really want to do something about that, there actually are organizations of uh uh, women who are sex workers who are unionizing, if you want to get involved and help the industry, because there are sex workers who really do enjoy doing this work safely and and in their uh, control. I will say also, this is very interesting. I wrote a, uh, a parody satirical romance novel called The Boy in the Basement. <laughs> it got turned into a play. It, uh, it, uh. it ended up being extended. It won awards. And it currently is playing another production this summer as we speak Whoa. in Indiana, because there's a, a company that still likes to put it on. And I wrote it when I was still like, had only had one sex partner. I was very young. I'd read all these novels and I was making fun of the genre, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. But I was writing out these, quote unquote, dirty fantasies that everyone's like, Catherine, what is this? I was like, it's a joke. But looking back, I realized these were all fantasies that I had had in my own life, but I wasn't mm -hmm. able to tap into because I felt guilty. Mm -hmm. So yes, it is a complicated topic. But if this is your thing and you feel okay with it, do your best to try to let yourself enjoy yourself. It's mm. okay. Yeah. Um, Sally, thoughts? I think that – I think I think you can be a feminist and enjoy porn. Um, I think that like uh, – I think that it gets really tricky to start 
trying to figure out like, is it okay to think certain things? Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, if the things you're th- like, it, it's if if the things you're thinking are not becoming actions that harm people, then it's really hard to tell people that the things that they're thinking are wrong or bad. Um, you know, I think there are things you can think that are are wrong or bad, uh, like wishing harm on people or having like a bias or a prejudice. And so that is like, again, like that is where it gets like really tricky and sort of like philosophical for me. And I'm not really sure how to like get in the weeds about that. Like, is it okay to think certain things? I, but I, I think that, I think it, I think it is okay. I think that's like come down the side of it's okay. I think that like, you know, there is like a human's right, a human rights issue with some porn and like the way it's made and like the consent and the bodily autonomy and the compensation that, Mm. you know, the people who are making the films or in the films like have or don't have. And so I think that um, if you're someone who wants your – like the what you consume to be aligned with your values maybe you can you know look into to porn that's made that like is like made by women and where you know the consent of the people involved is like a huge part of what they're doing and i don't know as much about porn as i think you do Catherine but maybe you can talk about like that's a thing right yeah, yeah it yeah. is yeah um but i don't i don't think that there's any like theoretical reason for you to be ashamed uh, of like fantasizing about any one thing over any other thing. I think like where the rubber meets the road is like <laughs> I, I don't know why, why I'm saying that. All of a sudden I'm like <laughs> someone's dad. <laughs> um, where the rubber meets the road, I'm just gonna double down. Where the rubber meets the road is like how is like what you do, mm-hmm. and I think that um and that that's where it comes back to like what are you consuming and like what industry are you supporting, but um. I don't think your thoughts in and of themselves are like dirty and shameful. And you also have a really good analysis. Like you're – it sounds like your parents were trying to like make you understand that like what you see in porn isn't what real life is like. But it sounds like you're like ahead of them, like a step ahead of them. Like, Yeah. And, you know, again, we can talk in circles and go where the rubber meets the road about, Mm -hmm. you know, where the porn is made and what the theme is. But ultimately what it comes down to is you're exploring a part of your sexuality. Mm -hmm. You talked about spanking. That's something huge. And that's something people don't really talk a lot about. If you do want to explore these things, there's other ways in which you can also learn about um, what you're into, because why not? And maybe your boyfriend will be on board. But if you want, there's a lot of kink groups and support groups of people who are into this stuff. Um, you can ask questions. You can get yourself involved in a, a group chat or something. Or, you know, maybe start talking to, um, you know, people you know who are in the community of kink and, you know, want to explore that. Because I know mm-hmm. there are people who are only into a certain thing, like light tapping, and they go to parties where they do that. And mm-hmm. it's it's a nice way to sort of just learn more about what turns you on and enjoying yourself. Yeah. And, you know, invite your boyfriend along if he wants or, you know, it's a journey. Yeah, and I definitely, um, I definitely, I definitely think you can be a feminist who watches porn. Yeah, I yeah, d- yeah. And I, but I think that like the the um, the policing of like what women are turned on by, and that is like not. I'm like not here for that. Like the feminists who are like, uh, you know, <laughs> I feel like you're gonna say something brilliant, and you should it's say not it. Brilliant. Oh, so go go for it. Oh my god, I might even cut this, but I might not. Okay, it makes me laugh so hard, and I can't believe I'm telling you this. But 
when I watch a little bit of porn on the mobile phone, because that's what I do, um, I don't know if you are familiar with these sites, but every other screen, they it's, an, it's a pop-up ad, mm-hmm. you know, and it's made to look like a text message. And it always yeah. says, hey, Kate wants to talk to you. She's five blocks away. And I'm just laughing because I'm like, oh, that's it's so amazing. funny. You're that's like, I'm Kate. I'm Kate. And I'm right here. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in touch with myself. How did you know? Uh, so that's okay. That's all. Yes. Yeah. Don't let anyone uh, – police your yeah. sexuality right come on now yeah enjoy it it I, totally I normal get get involved hey. keep keep staying involved check Stay out involved. the boy in the basement you can buy it on amazon that's amazing all right uh, it's it's written by my pseudonym Catherine de cheval with a c that is an amazing pseudonym. Catherine of the horse <laughs> yeah that's you guys. so great yeah I need a pseudonym it's available please write in <laughs> and suggest pseudonyms for me um all right so good luck uh regina let us know mm-hmm. mm. okay, okay. Ooh, this is from Dottie, a league of their own pseudonym. Um, love that movie. Have you seen it lately? Talk about a feel good movie. Does it, did it stand up? Um, it's definitely pretty problematic in some ways. Mm. Um, for example, the entire story of Black American women during that time is completely not addressed or talked about whatsoever, except for one scene where this Black woman throws the ball really hard, and you're supposed to be like, it's like them trying to trying for inclusion, but it's like such a tokenizing, obnoxious, condescending nod. But other than that, yes, it I know the off. actress who plays that woman. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I went to uh, theater school. <laughs> oh, my God. Amazing. <laughs> um, cool. Great movie, though. We saw Footloose recently. Ooh. Does not stand up. We just rented that um, on DVD. Wonderful. And we I don't even think I've ever seen it. And I know. Catherine's eyes just got so wide, you guys. Um, uh, we never got around to watching it because we were, like, never in the mood to watch Footloose. Should I send it back or should no. I watch it? Watch I should it immediately. Watch it. Let's okay. Just put you this way. An hour, 15 minutes in. It's a short movie, so it's almost okay. over. Okay. Alex turns to me and goes, wait, 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 wait. Literally, this is the plot. <laughs> They're not allowed to dance, and now they want to dance. I was like, yes, that is the plot. He's like, how is this a movie? Oh, that's so it's great. It's wonderful. Oh, I can't wait to watch it. Maybe I'll do a Cedar Rapids Footloose doubleheader oh tonight. Oh, God, it's so – and it's uh, – yeah, it's really frustrating. It's very – yeah, it's very white. Mm-hmm. They appropriate all the dance moves. At the very end, they're, like, doing all these, like, soul train dance moves and not a single black person right. in that town. But they know the moves right. somehow. They're like, look what we invented. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> like that. All oh, right. boy. Any hoodle. All right, so – League of their own. Hey there, Kate and Sally. I have a very close friend, we will call her Kit, yay, from League of Their Own, that I've known for 14-ish years. We were even roommates for six or so years. We have had many disagreements and arguments over those years, and we always managed to come to some sort of peace, agree to disagree kind of thing. Kit has always been a bit of a conspiracy theorist, you know, aliens built the pyramids, the Illuminati, and FEMA camps. I always either lightly debated her or just let it go. Our last debate was over the Mandela effect. I'll let you Google it if you're interested because explaining it would take a bit. Do you want me to just read it really quick? Okay, so I Googled it. I didn't. Uh, Knowyourmeme.com says, the Mandela effect is a theory of parallel universes based in the idea that because large groups of people have similar alternative memories about past events. What? What does that even mean? I don't know. Uh, advocate. I feel like it, that sentence was missing a word or I misread it, yeah. but I can't be bothered to figure it out. Advocates of the theory claim that for these collective experiences to be true, the fabric of reality must have shifted at some point in the past. What? And that therefore, not only do parallel inhabitable universes exist, but that we are constantly switching between them. What, why is it called the Mandela effect? Does it have to do with Nelson Mandela? Okay. Good question. Thanks. 
The Mandela Effect was first described online in 2010 by a blogger named Fiona Broom. Well, there's my pseudonym right there. <laughs> Fiona Broom. <laughs> Broom described an experience at a convention called DragonCon where she discovered that others had a false memory similar to hers, which was that Nelson Mandela had died during his imprisonment in the 1980s. It, this goes on, but I'm going to spare all of us. That just that's being misinformed and finding someone else who's misinformed. That's like that's that's like having a not that unlikely thought and not being sure if it's true, and then becoming a conspiracy theorist about it. Yeah, that's wow. That's something else. Okay. All right. Well, here's the okay. <clears throat> Here comes the conundrum. While debating via Facebook, I made a typo that autocorrected to Simeon when I meant to say similar. She called me out on calling her a simian and denied it in the heat of the debate. I totally missed the typo until another friend pointed it out. She blocked me from Facebook and never saw the apologies. When I realized this, I texted her about it. By this time, I was hurt that she would think I'd insult her like that and got a little passive aggressive. I haven't spoken to her since. And a mutual friend says she really thinks I meant to call her simian. FYI, I had to Google the word because it's a word I've heard at some point in my life but never used. Here comes the issue. I've known Kit for years, and she has diagnosed mental health problems. I've noticed she seems to be getting more paranoid. Her belief in conspiracies have been getting weirder and weirder. We are close friends for years, and she takes a typo this seriously. She only takes meds for her anxiety, but refuses to take the meds for her bipolar. This is her right as long as she isn't a harm to herself or others. I work in healthcare and often am around persons with mental health problems. I know persons with bipolar can have psychotic features. I fear her mental health is becoming worse, but being that she isn't a harm to herself or others, so there isn't much I can do. Getting passive aggressive at the altercation probably wasn't helpful, but it hurt. I haven't been able to think of a way to try and talk to her that doesn't come off passive aggressive, so I've been silent. I worry about her, but I don't know what to do. Working in healthcare, it's easy to be objective to help others, but being involved makes it harder to take a step back and figure it out. Thanks for any help you can give, and whoa, this is way longer than it meant to be. Sorry. Also, I hope it makes sense. Thanks for all you do, Dottie. This is tough. Okay, Dottie. Well, um, I guess, I mean, I would suggest that you try to figure out why you can't communicate with her without sounding passive aggressive because there's you're it sounds like you're angry and I guess are you just angry because of her misunderstanding? I agree the misunderstanding it's like really extra but like obviously obviously something's going on with her. I don't totally understand why you feel like you're unable to communicate without being passive aggressive. So I feel like you might need to like spend some time figuring out your anger at her. Um because I also am not totally sure why you're just not like uh, composing a note and uh, editing it to not be passive aggressive and like as an email or a text and being like, hey, we had a misunderstanding. Explain, explain, explain. Uh, I'm really sorry about it. I'm also kind of bummed that you thought I would do this. Uh, can we talk or whatever? Um, I don't I don't totally understand why that that is not happening. And I, I also feel like you're really – um, I can't, I guess I can't tell if the issue is like that you're mad at her for thinking you would do something like that and reacting so severely, or if you're worried about her mental health and you want to intervene in some way, or maybe it's like a combination of both. Um, so I feel like if it's the mental health thing, let this go and 
just check in with her as a friend and be like, I know things are weird, but I'm really worried about you or I'm concerned about you or I'm thinking of you. How is your mental health? Uh, if it's about the weird misunderstanding, uh, write an email or a text and have someone help you edit it so it doesn't sound passive aggressive and send it. I, I, I may have misread this, but I might disagree okay. what I think she's asking. I'm not sure because – she says that she wants to talk to her that doesn't come off as passive aggressive. Now, I know when I'm walking on eggshells around someone, I do that too, where it's like, I know I mean this, but what if they think I mean this? Mm-hmm. I'm going to edit this note. Shit, it still sounds like she could think this. So I, I, that's what I saw, mm-hmm. that she doesn't know how to communicate with her because she's worried that she will just be angry at mm-hmm. her. So that's the way I read it. I wasn't yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm, so I'm just saying like write, compose something. Right. And then if you need to have someone help you – or if you need to be like, hey, I don't mean this to sound passive aggressive. I do have a lot of anger. And so maybe that's coming through. But I just want to uh, bury the hatchet or g- talk about this thing or I still care about you. Like just I think just like explain where you're coming from and yeah. be really transparent. Yeah. No. OK. That makes more sense. And I also think that you're right in the sense of just let the argument go. You do understand that it's not a valid argument, mm-hmm. that it was a misunderstanding. She clearly is taking it some other way. But if you do want to reach out and just check in with her, do. And I guess what I would do as well is maybe talk to some people who she surrounds herself mm-hmm. with to see and check in with them and say, do we need to do something? Yeah. Can I help? Yeah. Because I'm guessing she has other friends as well or yeah. maybe family or something. This might be a good time to say, hey, you know, this happened. But also – as you said, you just don't know what else to do. There's nothing. It, unfortunately, I don't think there's much you can do until mm-hmm. she gets, I don't know, you know, whatever she needs to take or. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I agree. I think definitely separating the like concern about her mental health from the misunderstanding is a good place to start. And yeah. then from there, um, if you feel like you want to intervene in some way, I totally agree. Like connecting with people that she's connected with would be a good thing. Yeah, it's kind of like throwing money at the problem. Like just pretend that she won that argument. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because especially if like um, she's really if you you think that she's in some way like deteriorating like psychologically or emotionally that, you know, when people are don't have like their they're they're not their strongest emotionally like these kinds of misunderstandings happen. So maybe you can sort of, you know, you can let it go. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I hope that was helpful. Good luck, Daddy. Let us know. Yeah, let us know how it goes. Uh, All right. Well, yeah, just it's good to be back, though. It feels really good. It feels good. I it feels like a long time, even though it's actually a much shorter time between recordings than usual. Yeah. So I'm glad we're here. How long is this episode? Oh, it's 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 up to an hour. We're getting there. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't need bird sounds. I mean, listen, do you want bird sounds? (laughs) They couldn't hurt. Betsy. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Or maybe like a um. What do they have on the white noise apps, like the uh, campfire crackling They do. Or they have thunder, and then they have light rain, oh. and then they have white noise, and then they have, uh, ooh, um, cats in the backyard. By the way, last night we were coming home, and there's this cat that likes to hang out in the front yard. She's like, hey, what's up? Feed me, but don't look at me. You know, and then Typical they run away. cat. And uh, she was with her new friend. And they were about to have sex. And, of course, we walked in like, but, like, we're walking to our building, you know. And she still stood there and stared at us. The boy cat ran away. And she was, like, glaring at us. She was like, like, how dare you? She refused to move. She's like, excuse me. Wow. We were like, that's impressive. We should just leave it be. You, like, uh, you ruined a little feline sex, romantic sex moment. Yeah, I mean, this right. is the uh, this is the season, I guess. Isn't it, it always? It, I feel like it maybe always is. It's always cat yeah, season in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, she'll probably uh, 
figure it out. There'll be some kittens. Sure she's, yeah. Oh, yeah. She'll be fine. She got to figure it out. Was that a weird story to end on? It was a great story. Thank Are you kidding you. me? You should move it to the top of the episode. Did I anything. tell you what my friends uh, – did I tell you about this in Granada? My my friend's kids – I might have talked about this on Struggle Boss. Maybe not. Stop me. Uh, they had a lot of cats okay. that liked to, you know, uh, hang out and get to know each other. And uh, there were cats having sex in, in broad daylight. So my friend said, hey, kids, do you want to see how kittens are made? Oh, and zing. Yeah, and they were like, Cool. And they look, and the the older sister's like, oh, that's just weird. And she walks away, and the younger sister said, you know, still watching. And they're like, why are you still watching? And she goes, I'm waiting for the kittens to come. <laughs> oh, that's adorable. I know. And she's like, well, it takes a little while. You so. never really hear about parents, like, inviting the birds and the bees conversation. You hear about them, like, avoiding it and, like, hoping it, it was yeah, They're old enough. They're, yeah, like, they're seven and ten. Okay. You know, cool. they already had the talk. They know what happens. They can handle it. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I think it's my turn for a song, right? Yes. Oh, okay. but oh, but, oh right. Let yeah, me yeah, no, not. No. Okay. No, no, it's okay. I got um, overexcited. Tweet at us at Struggle Bus Pod. Email us with your questions. And uh, again, if you have a question, say question in the subject line. And if you want to be added to the Facebook group, do that separately. So email us at strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com, Instagram.com slash the Struggle Bus Pod. Hashtag Struggle Pod Buds 420 to find a struggle buddy. Tweet at Sally T. Tweet at SPK Heller. And Sally, you have the song of the week. I do. Uh, before I get to it, I want to say, look, even if you don't have real problems, make one up. Send it to us. We'll solve it. We don't need a real problem. All problems are real problems. That's true. Um, okay, so the song this week is called The Light, <gasps> and it's by Common. It's, oh, fantastic. You know that song? No, but I love Common. Um, he's great. It's from 2000. It was produced by Jay Dilla, the RIP, the late, great, amazing mm-hmm. Jay Dilla. And it's like a really uh, great love song, and it's someone – kind of uh, singing a love song, rapping a love song to someone who's not present. And uh, I think it's a great one for making this episode all about me and the fact that my girlfriend went away. So uh, thanks for letting me uh, co-opt this time in the podcast to make it about me. Well, listen, let's let's uh, come up with movie ideas for Sally to watch, like homework. Yeah, Yeah, actually, um, movie ideas, good, like I, I would love a good like day trip outside of the city. New York City. Um, so right in. You ever go to Long Beach? No. It's nice. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay, never mind. Don't send those things. Now I'm going to Long Beach. <laughs> but yeah, tell me stuff I should do on my own. But nothing crafty, no journaling, <clears throat> um, nothing, no home repair, nothing that requires too much physical activity. So just movies, I guess yeah. is what I'm saying. Yeah. Podcast recommendations? <gasps> By the way, plug your podcast again. What do you want? What's it oh, called? Oh, yeah. It's called um, – it's yeah, called. I'm, I'm in a vamp. So listen, Bye Boy in the Basement. It's on Amazon. I wrote it uh, many, many years ago. Wait, how how is it on Amazon? Is it like a? Um... Oh, I self published it. That's so cool. Of course I did. Oh my god, I, I want to self publish something. Whole hog. Uh, it's called How We Work Now mm. podcast. And if you're interested in hearing about different writers' processes around like uh, brainstorming and writing and thinking and editing, it's actually really interesting. Um, but it's really, really interesting when I'm on it, which is I don't know when it'll be. But uh, check I can't it. wait. L- like look for it, and I'll, I'll say it again when it comes out. And the the babes uh, watch Buffy podcast. They sent me a bunch of episodes to start oh my off God. with, and they said my voice was like butter. What was it? Butter th- dipped wait, in like now sugar we're gonna honey. actually read it because it's actually oh God, it's the so best good. Thing. So we're best friends now, right? We are best friends. Let's go to Chicago. Let's go to Chicago. Um, wait. Yeah. What was it? Hold on a second. Uh, Hold on. I'm gonna. Bring it up. Okay. I should have okay. it. So um, 
By the way, listen to me on Keith and the Girl if you want. Oh, and I meant to tell you. Did I tell you that was really good too? Yeah, That's thanks. a really good episode. Listen to that. Yeah, yeah. We got into a nice conversation. Really good conversation. Rape culture, consent culture. I actually got some emails from people. Some guy was like, thank you. I really want to talk to my daughters about this because consent is such a complicated issue, especially. Mm-hmm. And we brought up, and I'm sorry, I will keep saying this for a long time because it's only something I recently kind of figured out, which really pisses me off, is the whole thing where a dude will tell a woman she's not sex positive if she doesn't want to do whatever the guy wants to do. That's been happening a lot. And until I could put my finger on it, that did happen to me a while back. I'm like, oh, right. So uh, anyone who does that is an asshole. Mm -hmm. And sex positivity also means uh, not wanting to have sex. Right. I liked when you guys talked about that because I feel like that doesn't get discussed enough. Thank you. So listen to that. And the other thing you should listen to is me reading you (gasps) the description of Catherine's voice by... Anna, who's the co-host of Babes Watch Buffy. You guys. Please tell Catherine that her voice is like warm butter and makes me wish my brain was a steamed lobster claw that I could just dip right into it. And then she also requested that I translate that to you in a less creepy way. And I was like, oh, no, it's getting read verbatim. And Anna, just so you know, I'm vegan, so I don't eat butter. I don't like lobster. Or lobster. But I don't care because that was fucking perfect. That's how good it is. But maybe it's – um. What earth? Maybe it's earth balance. It's earth balance and like soy lobster. Soy bird. That's a thing. (laughs) Yeah. If you ever want me to record a bedtime story for you, Annie, you got it. I would love that. That's right. Um, Okay. So is that a thing? Are we done? That's it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. I'm Kate. I'm Sally. Bye. Bye. I never knew a la, 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 a la like this. Gotta be something for me to write this. Queen, I ain't seen you in a minute. Wrote this letter and finally decided to send it. Signed, sealed, delivered for us to grow together. Love has no limit. Let's been a slow forever. I know your heart is weathered by what studs did to you. I ain't gonna saw them because I probably did it too. Because of you feelings I handle with care. Some niggas recognize your life but they can't handle the glare. You know I ain't the type to walk around with matching shirts. A relationship is effort. I will match your work. I want to be the one to make you happiest and hurt you the most. They say the end is near. It's important that we're close to the most high. Regardless of what happened on him, let's rely. Instagram.com has... Mm. <laughs> that was good. I like it.